Well, if you're just joining us, this is Wednesday Night Fellowship. This is a, a time that we have every week to connect with God, to connect with each other, to really hear God's word. We're going through a series this, uh, this semester and all, actually all throughout the year that we're calling Roots and Relationships. And it's really, um, it starts with this question, like, what does it mean to live the good life? Like a life that Jesus would say, like, life to the fullest. A life that doesn't maybe evade suffering, but knows how to incorporate it. Um, that's green, in and out of season, and always bears fruit. That's sort of this question that we're asking. Um, and we're using the story that we heard just read, the story of the sower, to help give us some answers. The truth is, uh, we all suffer. And we've all seen suffering. Uh, suffering's a normal part of life in an abnormal world. But there's something that I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed it too, There are some who suffer and are broken by their suffering. Uh, And there are others uh, who maybe experience the same kind of suffering to the same degree and maybe even worse. But not only are they not broken by their suffering, they seem to emerge from the quagmire. They seem to emerge from the crisis stronger than before. Uh, I've seen some people suffer and their suffering has made them hard and cynical. It's drained all color from their life. And then I've seen others whose suffering doesn't harden them, but it softens them. It makes them more compassionate and empathetic, and not less. The pressure and the pain didn't crush them, but in some ways it made them more diamond-like. They shined more. Suffering seems to make some people bitter and other people better. And And I've wondered why and how. And the answer that I'm discovering comes down to roots. It's not just a matter of suffering. I've seen it with other things, too. I've seen people come to faith quickly, sort of a burst of energy and excitement, like a lightning bolt, but who fade away just as quickly. Whereas I've also seen people who struggle with questions and doubts persevere. Uh, Their faith looks more like a long, drawn-out wrestling match, but they're still holding on, and they're still staying the course. What's more, I've seen people who've been given every advantage in life, and they've squandered it. And I've seen others inherit the garbage and make a garden out of it. I've seen the tortoise beat the hare, not just one time or two times, but time and time again. And the answer to the question how or why once again comes down to roots. We don't pay much attention to roots. We often see what's above the surface and neglect what is underneath. But the presence or absence of roots makes all the difference. It's the difference between being bitter or better, between winning or losing, being fruitless or fruitful. And in the story Jesus tells us tonight, he shows us that if you want to live a good life, life as it was meant to be lived, life to the fullest, whole and holy, healthy and complete, not just blessed, but a blessing, you got to have roots. You have to have roots. In the time that we've got left uh, remaining tonight, I want to do three things. The first thing that I want to do is I want to look at the story that Jesus tells, paying extra close attention to verses 5 and 6 and then 16 and 17. The seed that gets sown on the rocky, shallow soil, verses 5 and 6, has a short lifespan. And I want to make sure we understand why. That's the first thing I want to do. Second, 
I want to talk about roofs, what they are and what they do. And then third, I want to make the metaphorical leap from the story and from science and talk about what it means for us human beings, right, to have roots. What does that mean and what does that entail, sort of practically speaking? Well, let's start with sort of this number one, right, looking at the story in some detail. In the story that Jesus tells, right, a farmer goes out to sow some seed. So a preacher goes out to preach. And some seed falls on a path. We looked at that last week. Some seed falls on rocky, shallow soil. Some falls amongst weeds. And then finally, some find... Some falls in fertile, fertile soil, too. Now, when Jesus talks about seed that lands on rocky, shallow soil, verse 16, he's not talking about soil with lots of rocks in it. Instead, he's talking about a soil condition that's pretty pervasive in Palestine, maybe here, too, in Vermont. It's where you've got this really thick layer of bedrock, and on top of it, you've got a very thin layer. Of topsoil, right? So thick layer of rock, thin layer of topsoil. In other words, shallow soil, right? You see that uh, described plainly in verse 5. Unlike seed that was sown on the path, again, which we talked about last week, the seed or the word of God, it actually gets inside this time. It breaks through the defenses. However, it doesn't go in very deep. It doesn't put down deep roots. So what you get then is a faith that is shallow, surface level, say the very definition of superficial. Right? You see signs of life quickly, right? signs of faith quickly, but it doesn't last very long. As soon as it faces some hardship, right, this plant, this life of faith, it withers away. What does this look like practically speaking? Well, actually, this hits pretty close to home for me. Um, it was maybe my freshman or sophomore year of college. Um, I can't recall. I was trying to think back on it today. But it was about my freshman or sophomore year of college. I, I went to CU Boulder. Um, my parents had just gotten divorced. And I was in a lot of just emotional turmoil. I was using a lot of sex and alcohol to numb my pain. And a friend's dad was in town. He was going to some Christian conference in Denver, sort of just down the road. And he invited me to go to this conference. And against the odds, uh, I actually said, yes, I'll go with you. Now, at the retreat, my friend's dad shared the gospel with me. And I actually received it with joy that day, with hot tears on my face. Now, emotionally, I was all over the place. I was torn up over my parents' divorce. I was depressed. I was feeling lousy from all the hangovers and from all the hooking up. And I was genuinely excited to hear that there was a God who loves me, who had a plan for my life, and that things could be different. But here's the thing. Things were great for a weekend. I was like on an emotional high for a weekend. But then I returned to school. Then I went back to CU. And as soon as I went back to college, I was surrounded by the same old friends and the same old vices. People telling me, like... You did what over the weekend? You became a Christian? Dude, get the hell out of here, right? Or you became a Christian? Whatever. Smoke this, right? Drink this. Some seed had gotten inside of me, right? It had penetrated my defenses, but it didn't get much further than that. 
I never put down roots. So my faith in college was very short-lived. It lasted like a week. And it wouldn't be many years later until I heard the gospel again. And, this, and that time it really did take. But I like how Eugene put, uh, Peterson puts it in the message. He says, some are like the seed on the rocks. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing left to show for it. Maybe you know people like this. Like maybe this is your story. It has been at least until now. Right? A kid who goes off to camp. Maybe they have this exciting conversion at camp. They pray that prayer. But as soon as they return to the real world, which is like not camp world, they're surrounded by people who don't share that faith. Or worse, who make fun of them, uh, make fun of them for it. And that kid quickly jettisons Jesus. Or maybe it's the student at UVM who wants to follow Jesus, but also wants to be seen as cool and as progressive and woke. Uh, at a place like CU Boulder, or even here at UVM, it's cool to be looking for God, but it's not very cool to find him, right? Cool to look for him, not cool to find him or to be found by him. And now he's found you, but that spells trouble because now you're getting called names like exclusive or anti-intellectual or, oh my God, conservative, right? And that's just too much to bear. Or maybe you're a person who's down with Jesus, so long as it doesn't cost you anything, so long as life goes swimmingly, But once suffering strikes, maybe that boyfriend or girlfriend dumps you or you get that failing grade and you don't get the internship or maybe a loved one gets cancer. As soon as this stuff starts happening, Jesus is gone. He gets the boot. That's kind of what Jesus is describing here. It is a shallow, superficial faith. When the emotions wear off or difficulty arises, the life of faith is gone. It topples over. It withers away. Well, Jesus identifies what this plant lacks and what it needs in verse 6. He says the problem with this plant is that it has no roots. And this brings us to point number two. What are roots and what do they do? You don't need to be a bio major in the Rubenstein school to know this, right? Roots are hidden support systems, right? They anchor a plant or tree to the ground, and they nourish it with water and nutrients. Simply put, uh, roots both support and sustain. They support and they sustain. A couple of years ago, a huge windstorm whipped through Burlington, and it took down a lot of trees. And my wife, Megan, she runs UVM's ropes course. She does a lot of outdoor programming for UVM, but she runs the ropes course And after the storm, the two of us went to the course together to survey the damage. Now, most of the trees in the forest were left standing, but some were taken down. And when you had time to actually look at the trees that fell, it was obvious why. Their roots were too shallow. Right? Their roots hadn't gone deep enough. And because they hadn't gone deep enough, they were not anchored when the storm came. They simply toppled over. Now, it is true, absolutely true, that typically in the midst of crises or suffering or storms, 
it's at those moments when you realize just how, how important it is to have roots. It is then that their presence, or the lack thereof, really reveals itself. Sometimes it feels like it's too late, right? If only I had roots. Um, if only I had done that beforehand. And look, storms are going to come. We know this well, right? And Jesus is super honest about this. He does not promise, hey, follow me and I will lead you into a carefree, stress-free life. It's the opposite, actually, right? In the Gospel of John, he says, he promises even, in this life, you will have trouble. I promise you, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. Storms are going to find you. There is no way around this. In this life, you will have trouble. However, and this is critical, if you are rooted to the right things, if you are rooted to the right one, if you put down deep enough roots and connect yourself to Jesus, you can withstand life's storms. You're not going to be able to avoid them, but you can withstand them. How or why? It's because roots, they anchor you. They ground you. They support you. Not only do roots anchor and ground and and support, uh, they also sustain. And here's what I mean by that. The basement in your house, right, it supports what's above it. And roots support a tree or a plant above it too. But roots are more than just a support system. They're more than a basement, right? They provide nourishment. They draw in life. Basements don't do that. But roots are this living, sort of organic, dynamic thing. They draw in life in the form of water and minerals and other nutrients. They, they, this living, breathing thing that give life to the entire organism. And they do this, not just once or twice, they do this all the time. One of my favorite trees in the entire world is the juniper tree. Uh, I saw a lot of them when I lived out in Colorado, and I saw a lot of them when I led backpacking trips for Outward Bound um, right after college, shortly after college. You can see one of them pictured here behind you. I mean, this is a beautiful setting, but that is a beautiful tree. And let me tell you why. Junipers grow uh, in some of the most inhospitable landscapes imaginable. They thrive in environments of baking heat, Bone-chilling cold, intense sunlight, little water, and fierce winds. What's more, the juniper can withstand drought conditions that often kill other plants and trees. And you might know where this is going. If you're like, well, how can it do that? Well, here's the hidden secret. The reason why a, a juniper can do all of these things, like live in this really inhospitable environment and survive drought, is because it has such a good root system. The juniper's taproot can shoot down 40 stuff. It can shoot straight down 40 feet and it can push through like the hardest rocks and go through like these tight crevices. And this creates a strong anchor and it allows the juniper to find water deep in the earth. At the same time, the juniper puts out lateral roots. They ground it even even more and then they, they draw in this water and this minerals, maybe from like a quick rain shower. But here's the deal. Junipers grow slowly, and they never appear that tall. 
And this is because two-thirds of the tree's mass is underground. It's hidden from view. When you see a juniper, you're only actually seeing like one-third of the actual tree. A juniper standing only five feet tall may be 50 years old. And despite their longevity, junipers rarely exceed 30 feet high or three feet in diameter. They don't just, they don't appear that big. And he, I love the juniper for all of these reasons. But I love the juniper for this reason too. The juniper is the antithesis of what we find so much in American evangelical Christianity. The juniper is like the antithesis of that, right? It's a rebuke to a church that puts a lot of emphasis on being the biggest and being the best, right? Having the best music or the coolest programs or the celebrity pastor, right? So much of the American evangelical church is shallow. It's superficial. There's a lot going on on the surface, but there's not much underneath to support it or to sustain it. But what we can learn from the juniper and what we can, in fact, learn from Jesus' story of the sower is that if you want to live a good life, right, life to the fullest, you need to shoot down deep roots. Before you go up, you've got to go down. I think there's another application specifically for you all here at UVM who live in Burlington, Vermont. You may or may not know this, but Burlington, Vermont is one of the least Christian places in America. According to Pew Gallup surveys, when I moved here in 2012, Burlington was ranked the least churched and the least religious city in America. Right? Spiritually speaking, it is a harsh, desert-like environment here. But even in the deserts of Utah, there's water to be found. And sure enough, you will find living water that runs deep through this campus and through this city too. But you've got to know where to find it. And you've got to shoot your roots down deep. You've got to be like the juniper. And here's the deal. If and when you do this, you will become a whole lot harder to uproot. If you do this, if you shoot your roots down deep like the juniper, you will be very hard to uproot. And if you can make it here in this harsh climate, you can make it just about anywhere. You might not be the tallest of trees, but I guarantee you, you will be one of the hardiest. You will be green in and out of season, and you will not be afraid in times of drought in times of sickness and suffering and setback. Why? Because you will be well-rooted, you will be well-anchored, and you will be well-sustained. Here's what we've said so far. If you want to live a life that is whole, holy, healthy, and complete, life to the fullest, as Jesus would say, you're going to need roots. You're going to need a hidden support system that is going to keep you grounded in times of trouble and will sustain your spiritual life. This is such an important topic that we're going to spend the last half of this semester really flushing this out in greater detail. But tonight, as we close, I simply want to sketch out what this means practically. What having roots as human beings, like what does that really entail? What is our hidden support system that is going to keep us grounded and is going to sustain us in and out of season? Well, here is how I would like to answer that question. Having roots means having a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to have roots. It means having a deep, intimate, 
and personal relationship with Jesus. Now, you can call this prayer. Uh, You can call this abiding, as Jesus does in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where he talks about vine sort of being rooted, connected to the the branches. But this is what you're going to need. You're, You're going to need to have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. You need to be connected to him and to hold tight to him in times of trouble. And you need to let his life and his love flow into you all of the time. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about prayer this way. He describes prayer as this hidden support system. He says, and I quote, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward that they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. And pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Right? He's describing prayer as this sort of like hidden, secret, private thing. It's not something that we do for show. It's something between us and God. It's not for public acclaim. There's a privacy in it. uh, An intimacy in it. It's a hidden support system. We have lots of misconceptions about what prayer is. Uh, misconceptions, I hope, that we clear up later this semester. But maybe the biggest misconception we have is that prayer is simply talking to God. When in reality, prayer begins with an awareness of God. It begins with paying attention to God and paying attention to his voice in our life. Eugene Peterson, who I quoted earlier, he says that all prayer is answering speech. Answering speech, which means that when we pray, we're responding to what God has already said and is saying to us. And I like this insight because it taps into and it reinforces this idea that prayer is our hidden support system. It's not just anchoring us to Jesus, but it's drawing in his life and his love, much like roots draw in water and minerals and nutrients. In his book, Recapturing the Wonder, Author Mike Cosper writes that in order for us to grow deep roots in a disenchanted world, we need to get to know God intimately in the quietness of prayer and the simplicity of God's word. He says, and I quote, a spirituality that doesn't teach us to pray in our darkest hours or doesn't teach us to listen to God's voice in the scriptures, it is going to leave us starving and searching for something more. Right? You need a hidden support system, he's saying. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to listen to God's voice. If you do this, you will thrive. If you don't, you will fall apart. We need roots. We need a deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And this is not simply what is going to support us in times of trouble. It's what's going to sustain us in and out of season. Over the course course of our days... And over the course of our lives. We already talked about the juniper. But do you know anything about bamboo? Yeah? Bamboo spends the first five years of its life underground. And it spends those first five years of its life building deep roots. Now after five years, it can shoot straight up. And it can grow 80 feet tall in the matter of five weeks. 
Its growth is rapid. It's, it's mind-blowing. But the only reason it can grow like that is because it has grown down before it grows up. The only reason it can grow like that is because it has in its place, it has in place this hidden support system. Because it shoots down deep roots. As your campus pastor, this is what I want to help you do here at UVM in this desert-like environment. I want you to be like the bamboo. I want you to be like the juniper. I want you to shoot down deep roots so that you can withstand life's droughts and storms, but also be filled with life, right? The good life, not just hashtag blessed, but also a blessing. That's my prayer for you. But let's pray with eyes closed.